Parshas Balak. He is looking. Everyone remembers the story of Bilam saddling his donkey and eagerly setting out on a journey to Balak, the king of Moab. He wanted to join forces with Balak and tried to curse the Am Yisrael who were encamped at the Moabite border. Now the Torah tells us that as he was riding on his donkey down the narrow path, a malach stood in the middle of the road, right in front of the donkey, blocking the way, and so the donkey could not proceed. Now Bilam didn't see the malach, and he didn't have the time for games. He was on a mission for a king, and he couldn't be delayed, and so he began to beat his animal. Right away a malach appeared to Bilam and said to him, Why have you beaten your donkey? Bilam said, I have sinned. He confessed his sin to the angel. So people who learn this in a superficial way think his sin was that he beat his donkey. What did the poor donkey do that you're beating it? But that's not it. If a donkey is obstinate, if it refuses to proceed, then it's natural that you have to do that. You can't reason with donkeys after all. You can't explain to him that his job is to be a beast of burden and to follow orders. So you have to beat him. There's no sin there. So now listen closely to the vidoy of Bilam. What was his confession? Vayomer Bilam, chatati ki lo yadati. I sinned because I didn't know that you were standing in front of me. That's Bilam's vidoy. I should have known that the reason my donkey stopped in its tracks is not because the animal suddenly became obstinate, I wasn't thinking. I should have remembered about HaKadosh Baruch That's what the Moloch was criticizing. Why did you beat your donkey? Why didn't it occur to you that maybe it's Hashem stopping you? That a Moloch Hashem is standing in your way. Now to us, this seems far-fetched. So the donkey stopped. He's obstinate today. So what? I should suspect that it's a Moloch blocking my path. We think that it's happenstance. And that's all. It's unreasonable to think otherwise, we say. But it wasn't unreasonable to Bilam. Bilam wasn't a nobody. He wasn't a materialist like we imagine him to be. He was a Navi Hashem, a man of understanding. And so he said, Vidoy, Chatati, Kilo Yadati. I should have had Da'as. I should have known. Because that's how Bilam lived. He knew that he was expected to always be aware that wherever he is, he's walking with Hashem. And if he forgets who is in charge of all of the affairs of this world, so Bilam knew that's a chait that you have to say vidoy for. Now it wasn't just Bilam. Our great men certainly lived like that. The great men of the Talmud lived that way. They constantly had HaKadosh Baruch Hu in mind. The Gemara in Baba Metziah tells us a story about how once the sages were sitting in the base of Medrash and they were talking discussing Divrei Torah, when all of a sudden, Paka Arza de Beraf, one of the cedar beams burst. A beam running across the ceiling cracked. And so these sages didn't let the opportunity go lost. Immediately, each one said his reason why it happened. Of course, they understood that the material was weak. It's been standing too long anyhow. It's time for a new one. The other beams should be checked as well. Safety first! They understood that, as well as we do. But they understood much more than us. And so as soon as they could, as soon as it was safe, 
each one said a reason for what purpose did HaKadosh Baruch Hu make this happen just now. And it was a subject for discussion. This one said it was because of what I did. This and this. And another one said because of what I did. A different chet. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is bringing something to my attention. Or maybe something happened here in the base Medrash that was improper. That's the way they lived. Because that's the truth. This world is not a world of accidents. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge of every detail and the great men who thought constantly of Hashem immediately reacted to things that happened in their lives. The lesson did not go lost. Another story in Baba Basra. One of the sages was once climbing up a ladder and Ishtamit Kare, his foot slipped and he almost fell. He caught himself at the last second. Doesn't this happen to people? Is there a man who never slipped on steps and caught himself by the banister or regained his balance just in the nick of time to save himself from plunging down? So maybe the pious ones among us express their gratitude. The best ones will say, Ah, Baruch Hashem that he saved me. But that's not enough. Listen to what the sages said. Look, he said, if I had slipped a second earlier, I would have fallen down. You know what that would have been? That would have been Sekila, that's Sekila. If you learn Masech Sanhedrin, you know that first step in Sekila is throwing a man down from a high place to execute him. So why did this occur to me, he said. Maybe I've been sentenced to Sekila. And a semblance of that sentence was carried out, only that I was rescued at the last moment. Hashta, I was sentenced like a man who is Mechal al-Shabbos. A Mechal Shabbos is put to death by Sekila. Or maybe for being Oivet Avoidezara. An idol worshiper is also Chayev Sekila. What did I do to deserve this? Was I Mechal Shabbos? Did I worship an idol? So they told him it was because he had neglected to give charity. They had noticed that he hadn't been giving enough tzedakah. And the sages say that not giving charity is like Oivet being stingy when it comes to helping the needy is compared to idol worship. And if a person is negligent in giving money to a good place, sometimes Hashem might take action. At least he might warn you. Next time you're climbing the steps, you'll slip. That's how the sages lived their lives. They understood that Hashem was reacting to their behavior. Now, for a person to live that way, it takes a lot of work. It's an entirely new attitude that comes from being aware of Hashem, of remembering Hashem always. It's not just a frumkat. It's an entirely new way of living. The truth is, it's Torah living. It's a requirement of the Torah. A clear, cut, pasuk. It says in Devarim, Pen, guard, anbi, hisham elcha, tishkach et Hashem elokecha, lest you forget Hashem elokecha. Now, can anyone say that a pasuk is merely a midas chasidis, that it's a luxury for super pious people? It's as clear as could be that it's a duty for all Jews. It's a command upon us, every man and woman at all times, to not forget. Beware, lest you forget. We're not talking now about believing in Hashem. Of course, we all say, we believe in Hashem, and it's true. Baruch Hashem, the Kahal Hamaminim, today is growing. Anybody who has a black hat, anybody who covers his head with something, believes in Hashem. 
That's what the hat means. A head covering is the glory of our people. O Ted Yisroel, he crowned Yisroel, Bisifaro, with glory. What's that glory that's on your head? Whether it's a black velvet kippah or whether it's another color material, you're glorifying yourself with the attitude. I am a believer in Hashem Elokei Yisroel. It's a tremendous achievement when you go into a store and you buy a yarmulke or a black hat and you put it on. But that's not the entire task. You have to put something underneath the yarmulke. Where is this Hashem that you believe in? Oh, he's in the Siddur. He's in the Chumash. But is he in the streets with you? Is he in your home, in your bedroom? So in order to be polite, you'll say yes. But do you actually feel that way? Probably not. If you think about him while you're davening, you're already something special. I told you this story once, but I'll say it again. One morning in the Shtibu of the Rebbe from Berdirshev, the Rebbe sent his gabai up to the bima during davening to make an important announcement. In the middle of davening, the gabai gives a clap on the bima. The Rebbe wants everybody to know that there is a Ribboni Shalaylam in the middle of Psukri de Zimra, a special announcement. Remember Hashem. And so if you think about Hashem during davening, that's already something. But actually, it's minuscule when it comes to our obligation to be aware of Hashem. Because to believe that Hashem is watching you outside the shul too, in the street and in the kitchen, that's the number one hashkafa for a believing Jew. Like it states in Tehillim, Hashem mishamayim hishkif. Hashem looks down. Al bnei Adam, hayesh liros, maskil doirish et elokim. Is there anyone down there seeking me? Hashem is looking. Who's thinking about me? He sees thousands and millions of people. Almost nobody is thinking about him. Even when they pray, they're doing a duty. They're praying to him. But what are they thinking? I'm afraid to know. But that's a question we all have to consider. Do you think about Hashem? Is he really in your life? That's Hashem's question. Are you thinking about me? How many times in the past week has a thought of Hashem entered your mind? Do you dream about Hashem? Why don't you dream about him? The answer is, because you don't think about him. Ein marin lo la'odam elam hirhure libo. A man is shown in dreams, the things that he thinks about by day. And it's something that's expected of us. If it was expected of Bilam, surely it's expected of us. Let's get that into our heads. We are obligated to think about Hashem as much as possible. Isn't that a pity? that it's so rarely spoken about, when it's so important. It's a laugh. Hishamer lecha. And it's one of the things on which a man's whole Yiddishkeit, his entire Judaism stands. You have to gain that awareness that Hashem is standing right in front of you. It's a picture you have to gain in your mind. And that's why in the Chayvus Alavavos, it lists 30 things that a Jew must keep in his mind always in Shav Cheshbon HaNefesh. The tenth on that list is that a man should consider how the Creator is looking at him always. He's looking at your externality. He sees you on the outside, and he's looking at your interiority. He sees you on the inside, too. Now, he lists it at the tenth, 
but in order of importance, it is perhaps the very first. Why is it not put at the beginning? Has a reason. But right now, we have to consider that this is probably the most important of all. And so we must keep in mind that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is imminent. He is present. He is aware. And he is looking. Of course, you must have Torah too. Because if somebody is looking at you, but you don't know what that person approves of or disapproves of, so it's not much. You must learn. You must know what is right and what is wrong. But nothing is going to help if we lack the fundamental attitude that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking. And that's why the Chayi B'Salavavas is urging us to keep in mind at all times this principle. And he's urging, he's pressing the subject, because it's not an attitude that's simple to acquire. Even once you understand the importance of what we're saying now, that's only the beginning, because it takes work. The Mesil Zisharim says that it's not easy. It's one of the most difficult things, he says. And if he says so, you can believe him. You have to train yourself until you gain the attitude that Hashem is there. You have to work to acquire that frame of mind. Now when we talk here, I know that in general I'm speaking with Shaimri Torah Umitzvis. Most of us here, we keep the Torah. We try to keep everything. And so all of us know that one of the basic features of the life of a Jew is the practical mitzvahs. That's how we live our lives, with mitzvahs. And yet sadly, one of the outstanding purposes of doing mitzvahs is being neglected and going lost. I want you to listen now to what mitzvah is for. It's a chiddush nifla, and it's important to listen well. Every mitzvah has among its functions, one of its chief functions, is to remind us of the boire. If there is a mitzvah, it means there is a mitzvah. If there is a commandment, it means there is someone with a capital S giving the command. When you take the lulav and the esrog in your hand, the purpose is to demonstrate that there is a boire. I'm not talking about the bracha on the lulav. I'm talking about the lulav itself. The lulav itself says, there is a boire. That's what the esrog says too. Otherwise, why should there be an esrog? Why can't you go down to the fruit store and buy a lemon? Why go to such an expense to buy a real one? A bilte murkav, an expensive one. It's all because there is a boire who is looking to see if it's kosher. He's looking to see how you're fulfilling his command. I'll tell you a little anecdote. Once, Rav Yosef Zundel, the Rebbe of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, was seen in the Beis HaMedrish before davening, making na'anuim with his lulav and esrog. Not because he was fulfilling the mitzvah now. He was just making na'anuim. Why are you doing the na'anuim now, someone asked. I want to prepare, Rav Yosef Zundel said. I'm going to do it later, and I want to prepare and make sure that I do it correctly. Now, he was not a young man anymore. He had done it many times already. But he knew that a mitzvah means Hashem is watching you do it. And so Rav Yosef Zundel was rehearsing before the davening to make sure that every tenuah, every motion should be made correctly and with dignity in front of the king. Hashem should see him and be pleased. That's what a mitzvah means. Why are people so busy running around buying expensive matzah? Because Hashem is looking. 
As you enter into a store and you see on the shelves, Kasha Pesach this, Kasha Pesach that, Kasha Pesach everything. Everything is a demonstration that the Boide is looking to see. What are they going to eat? He's looking to see. What are the people selling? Are they selling only Kasha Pesach things? So the storekeeper and the customers are always being reminded that there is a Baide. All year long, whenever you go into the grocery store, you're concerned about the kashras. When a woman goes shopping, of course, she wants to buy only what is perfectly kosher. Very good. But there is an opportunity to go to the highest limits of that mitzvah and remind oneself that the purpose is to be aware of a Baide. You're looking at the shopping list. What to get? But you're also thinking... Only here in the kosher store or in the kosher aisle is where I can buy. Because the boide is watching me. Kashris is for the purpose of demonstrating that there is a creator. That's the reason we eat only certain foods. And when you're going to sit down and eat the food. So you can think about it then too. We are reminded by means of what we eat. By means of this mitzvah of kashris. That there is a creator who is commanding us. What to fulfill? All around us, the Jew is constantly being reminded. He is surrounded with witnesses whose purpose is to tell him that Hashem is looking. Why do you make a bracha when you get married? Hassan and Kala are standing under the chuppah and the room is full of guests. And suddenly, there are brachas to say. Now why is that? Because you're busy and you're forgetting about him. Every bracha is a reminder. That means there's a boide. Asher bara, there is a creator around. The brachas all remind you that there is a creator. The chasan and kala are not getting married in their materialistic way. They're marrying in front of Hashem. He's looking down at everyone, at the guests too. Isn't that a good thing to think about? While you're sitting at the chuppah, the Masader kedushin too. Or somebody else who is honored with a bracha. Rabbi so-and-so is mechubed with a bracha. So he comes up. And let's say he's thinking. If his niggin will be a good niggin. If it will be impressive to the people. Or maybe he's thinking. If he's getting a good enough bracha. Okay. But suppose he would also think. I'm saying this bracha for the purpose. Of making an effect on me. I'm reminding myself that there is a boire. And the listeners, too, are thinking the same thing. Wouldn't it be a good idea for the chassan and kala, when they are standing under the chuppah, to think of their creator, a creator who is looking? So when they hear the brachas under the chuppah, they are reminded, not only that there is a boide who created them and made such a wonderful arrangement, that there is a man and a woman, miracle of miracles, but they are reminded that they are under supervision. And the supervisor is entering their new home together with them. And after the chuppah, they go into the yichud room. And they are together for a while. But they know, they have to know, that they didn't come in alone. It is not a perfect yichud. There is someone with them. The Gemara in Sota says, Ish v'isha shechina b'neihem. There is a third party present. So suppose the chassan and kala, as soon as they come into that room and they close the door, suppose both of them are thinking at that moment, there is a third party present with us. He is watching. And from now on, he is going to be present constantly like he was up until now. That's 
what the brachas under the chuppah are intended to convey. Now this should be done with all the mitzvahs. Every mitzvah is reminding you of the boidei who is looking. Why shouldn't tefillin be meaningful? Of course, when you put them on. But even if you just see a pair of tefillin, a tefillin bag, you will always be reminded of what the tefillin is supposed to tell you. You're on the avenue, on the way to the office, and you see a boy running to the shul with his tefillin. You already davened. You put on your tefillin two hours ago. No matter. You see his tefillin bag, and you are reminded yourself. There's a boyde who commanded us to put on tefillin. What does Hashem want from tzitzis? Let's say you're in the Beis HaMedrash, where everyone is wearing tzitzis, and they're hanging out too. What is the purpose of that? So you say, well, it's a mitzvah. The Torah commands it. But the Torah tells us a purpose. It's as clear as could be that the purpose of Sitzis is to remind you that our Kadosh Baruch Hu is looking when it says, in order that you should remember the mitzvahs of Hashem. It doesn't mean that the purpose of Sitzis is merely to remember the mitzvahs. It is to remember that Hashem is looking to see if you do those mitzvahs. Like I once told an Italian, the city was digging in the street one time and the Italian foreman saw me walking down the street. He said, what's this? He was pointing to my tzitzis. So I said, it's to remind us of him. I pointed upward. Ooh, he said. He understands. The Italian understood that, yes. Halavai, we should understand it. So now we have homework. When you see somebody's tzitzis, not only your own, if a wife sees her husband's or her son's tzitzis, same thing. The Gemara in Menachah says, that you can use other people's tzitzis too. So when you see a pair of tzitzis hanging down, whether it's from your talis or from somebody else's shirt, you have to think that the tzitzis are for a purpose. And purpose number one is to make you think of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he is looking. That's what tzitzis are saying. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking outside and inside. Watch your step and watch your mind. Now, isn't it worth coming here just to learn that? You can live your whole life without hearing it once. However, the Torah didn't stop there. You have mezuzahs too. Isn't it a remarkable thing that people can live their lives without realizing what the mezuzah is saying? The mezuzah is supposed to be on every doorway. And as you pass by, in and out, the purpose is to remind you that somebody is looking. Isn't it a waste of our lives when we go in and out of that door and forget about it? You know what kind of effect that it would have on you if we would do that. Our lives would be revolutionized by the tzitzis and by the mezuzah. If we would practice up and train ourselves with this program gradually, it would enter our awareness that there is a boide here. Eventually, we'd become aware not only of the mezuzah, but it would begin to penetrate that there is a boide. That's the way to use tzitzis and mezuzah. They bring us to emuna, And so isn't it a pity that life goes by with the mechanical motions? Things that were intended to have a great effect on the person are done robotically and are not utilized for their intended purpose. And surely, if you are in a firm community, so wherever you look, in the street and in the home, you have these reminders. 
And so you must utilize them all the time. You should think, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is observing and surveying. He is watching our exteriority and is also perusing with his view into our interiority. He is watching our thoughts. Now, this is not so revolutionary what I am telling you now. But still, it is so unknown and so unnoticed that it amounts to a chiddish gadol. And we are not yoytzeh just by speaking a few words about it. You cannot talk enough about this subject. It's a very big subject. And we should take the time to consider how great a function in our lives mitzvahs can have on our future and apply ourselves to a career, little by little, of getting a tangible feeling that Hashem is always looking. We have to acquire it by practice. There's no other way. Of course, don't try and do everything all at once when you leave here tonight. First take one of these mitzvahs and practice it assiduously until finally it hits home that this is what the mitzvah is saying to you. And then another, and another. Every day, you're training yourself by means of the mitzvahs that Hashem is right here, and He's looking. And little by little, you are transformed into a person who is standing in front of His Creator. Now we are going on to another phase, another aspect of this avoida. We'll call it the practical aspect. And that is to train ourselves with our own contrivances to our mind to remind us of avoida. Mitzvahs are very good. They're a wonderful opportunity. But we're going to see now that there are many more opportunities for us to make use of, even outside of the framework of mitzvahs. When I was in Slobotka, I heard from the older yeshiva men that there was a Musr Shtibel in Kovno, a special Musr house that survived from the days of Rabbi Yisrael Salander. So I went there once to see it. I left the Seder once and walked across the river and went to the Musr house. Now they told me it was always locked, but there is a loose brick where they keep the key hidden. They described to me where the brick is, and they said that I should pull it out, and I would find the key there. So sure enough, I saw the loose brick. I pulled it out and found the key. I unlocked the door and walked in. I was all by myself in the old Musser house, and now I was sitting there. What should I do? I was thinking... It's an opportunity to work on this idea that Hashem is looking at me. So I sat there for an hour. For a full hour, I sat there by myself, thinking that Hashem is looking at me. It was in the old Musser Shtibel in Kovno. I'll never forget that experience. Now that's something all of us can do occasionally. The truth is, it needs constant attention. It's so important that we must find time to work on achieving this awareness that HaKadosh Baruch is looking at me. If you can't do it all the time, at least from time to time, you must imagine that the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu are gazing at you. You are looking at me with your eyes. The Torah gives us the permission to think like that. Like it says in Zechariah, Eine Hashem heima mishoytetim b'chol ha'aretz. The eyes of Hashem look over all the world. The eyes of Hashem are said here for a certain purpose. Why mention the eye? in order that we should utilize that. We know Hashem doesn't have eyes. He has better than eyes. But it's to help us picture that He's looking at us, and He's supervising, that He's looking at us. 
If we are thinking of a great figure in the sky that looks down upon the world and sees everything that transpires, that's a big help. Even though we know that it's actually not so. Because Hashem does not have any figure. Ein lo demus. It's a contrivance that we are expected to use. Like it states in Pirkei Avos. Da malemala mimcha. Ein roe. Know what is above you. And I that sees. We have to work on that all of our lives. When you're walking in the street, in the subway, in the place of business, in the home, Hashem is looking at you. The Chayi Vesalavavis gives that mashal. He says a person should always think of the following mashal. Suppose somebody was watching you. He's observing your movements. Would you do something which would be distasteful or unpleasant in the eyes of that observer? Even if a little boy is looking at him, he tries to act up to make a good impression on that little boy. That's human nature. I was once sitting on the subway. I'm telling you these stories because I used to work on this. If I had kept it up, I could have actually become something. I was sitting on the subway, and a little girl was looking at me. When I saw she was looking, so I sat up straight. Now, it wasn't a very important audience, but that's human nature. When someone, anyone, looks at you, you want to make an impression. I grabbed the opportunity to add a thought. Hashem is looking more than this little girl is looking. It's very important to practice that. It's a good idea to try that while you're looking out of the window sometimes. You're sitting in your kitchen or on the bus and you're looking out the window and you're thinking, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is standing on the sidewalk looking at me. As you're walking down the street, think, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking out of the window from one of those apartment houses at me. And he surely is. Not from just one window. He's looking from all the windows at you. You have to train yourself to think that way. Now, if a person knew that his creator is looking at him, how much would he be embarrassed and ashamed in his presence? How careful would he be to do something that's in contradiction to his wishes, Chaz v'sholom? How much would he hurry to serve him and to try to gain his favor and love? And so if you can practice this frequently, you'd be more successful. And accordingly, you straighten up. You sit up a little straighter. After a minute, you can relax again. But at least that one minute you achieve something great. You'll be able to boast when you're an old man. I remember many years ago, I heard this idea and I tried it once. For one full minute, I was aware that Hashem was looking at me. If you'll try it again, it will become even more valuable. Try it. Practice it up from time to time. The more you do it, the greater you become. If a man lives that way, then he's sure to be a success. You'll begin to behave as if he's looking at you. And he is. I recall great men I saw when I was younger who always behaved as if Hashem was looking at them. I watched every motion. My rebbies never scratched. They never yawned. I studied them for years and years. They were dignified. They never grinned. They were always cheerful, but they never made a silly grin. They lived with control of their tenuous. No grimaces, no unnecessary motions. I watched them carefully, and I saw people who lived differently because they knew HaKadosh Baruch Hu is staring at them. Now, I saw it by great men, but that's a feeling that every Jew is expected to acquire. That's why we practice it up every morning, first thing in the morning. 
Anyone who learned a little knows that among Jews, the proper way when dressing or undressing is to remain covered. Even if one is in a private room, the door is locked and the lights are out. No one could see anything. Nevertheless, the scrupulous Jew dresses and undresses in such a manner that his body is never revealed. Shulchan Aruch. Now that is surprising. The room is closed. The shades are down. It's dark. Nobody sees me. The answer is, somebody is looking. And because that somebody is looking, we attempt to cover up ourselves. Now the question is, what does covering help? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking, he could see right through fabric. He could see through walls. So what will you accomplish by covering up? The answer is, it's an exercise. We behave as if he was a person, a spectator. And by covering ourselves up, we accomplish the feeling of awareness of his presence. When you do outward acts of recognition of his presence, it brings one to recognize his presence. That's how valuable an exercise like this is. Little by little, it enters our consciousness that our Kalash Baruch is looking. Now before we conclude, let's take a few more opportunities among thousands of others. Another valuable exercise is while you're eating. Suppose you'd be sitting, let's say, at a banquet, and they're serving delicious food, and you're hungry too. And so you fill your cheeks, and you're chewing, and suddenly the photographer begins approaching you to take pictures of the table. You say, wait, my cheeks are puffed up. Wait until I swallow. Now suppose there's no photographer. Instead, a very important personality happens to come in at that moment. And he's walking towards you to speak with you. You'll try quickly to empty your cheeks out. He shouldn't see you in such a silly position with your cheeks puffed up with food. Now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking at us all the time. And so while you're eating, isn't that a good time to practice? You're filling your stomach. You're in a good mood anyhow. So it's a good idea to exercise this idea. Now, you don't have to worry about filling your cheeks. He's not going to criticize you for that. That's why Hashem gave us cheeks, so they should be able to swell with the food. Cheeks are able to distend. They're made for that purpose. They're flexible, elastic. But while you're chewing, while your cheeks are puffed, practice this exercise. He is looking at me. Now, I want to add one more exercise. It's not as easy as you think. But if you've already practiced the previous ones, then you can try this one too. You know, when you talk to people, it's very difficult to remember Hashem. That's how it is. A person is so interesting. His face, his conversation, that even though he's not important, once you're speaking to him, you forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu right away. So let's say once in a while you'd practice this idea, even while you're speaking with someone. You think like this. I'm going to practice remembering Hashem, despite the person I'm going to talk to. I'm going to go over to this and this person and engage him in a short conversation. Too long, I can't do it. It's too much. I'll engage him in a short conversation, and I'll make up my mind that while I'm talking, Hashem is looking at me and listening to the words, and they are being recorded. Make it short, of course. So pick out somebody and go over to him. He'll start talking and you'll answer. But keep this in mind. Don't forget. You have to remind yourself every second. It's very difficult. 
because the magic of a person's face, his personality enchants you and you lose yourself right away. Don't lose yourself. No, Hashem is looking at me and do it for a minute or two. You have accomplished a very big achievement. That's something to be proud of. You have lived for a purpose in life. And if you never practice this, you have to know that you are missing out on one of the big purposes of why you were created. Now, when a person practices this more and more, he begins to become conscious of Hashem all the time. He becomes aware that Elohim is looking at him. And that is of the utmost consequence. It's one of the major achievements of life to be aware of an eye in Ro'e, an eye that looks. Because when a man lives under the surveillance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's eyes, then he's going to live a more perfect life, a more successful life. When you're always standing before Hashem, so everything becomes important. Every moment of your life, the mundane and the less mundane, it's all important because you're standing with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so any man who trains himself, any woman who trains herself, anyone who adopts this as a career in life is bound to succeed because that's the true greatness of living in this world. The awareness that you are standing in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Remember Hashem always. Bilam was criticized for forgetting that Hashem is the cause of everything. He should have known that a delay is not caused by an obstinate donkey, but by the master of the world. This week, I will, Belineder, focus on internalizing this lesson. Once each day, when I pass by a mezuzah, I will remember its lesson, that Hashem is watching me. I will also spend an entire minute each day concentrating on the fact that Hashem is watching me. And his eyes are staring at me.